Bold. And it's Adams put through by Bold. Would you believe it? That sums it all up. Hello there. And welcome back to yet another episode of That Sums It All Up. We're back on the podcast today. In light of Arsenal's disappointing 2-1 loss to Wolves on Tuesday, yesterday evening. How frustrating, infuriating and how bizarre. But we'll get on to that in more detail with my guests today. On today's show, we'll try and deal with the defeat. Hopefully not dwell on it too much. There's plenty of sort of raw feelings that we need to perhaps get off our chest. But I think there's definitely some positive takeaways from the game and see how far we go. If we have the uh, the strength and willpower to continue, we'll perhaps have a few words about the January transfer window now that that is closed. We've just, Arsenal have just submitted their Europa League squad. Unfortunately for Alex Runa-Runason, he's been left out with Martin Odegaard and Gabriel Martinelli being added back in. So can't think that he'll be in goal on Saturday against Aston Villa. Hopefully Matt Ryan's recovered from his uh, slight muscle injury. Um, and then lastly, we'll look ahead to Saturday's game and sort of where it leaves us in light of the defeat and facing a Villa side who are very impressive at the moment and are playing West Ham on Wednesday. But anyway, there's plenty to talk about, so we're just going to get straight into it today. Joining me, making his first appearance on the podcast, it's my good friend Julian Plan. Hello there, Jules. How are we today? Hello, Alfie. I'm well. Thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah. You've, you've been saying you've been uh, you've been waiting for the right moment to come on and... Unfortunately, it's maybe a, it's a hard moment. Maybe there's never a right moment, but I think today's a good moment to to sort of vent and and have a good discussion about the football because I think there's 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 good things, there's bad things, there's crazy things. So there's a whole wide variety of uh, discuss discussion points to be had. Um, so you, you know the ropes of a of a of a radio show podcast somewhat. I remember you you, you came on to a. To a different radio show of mine last term, so you, you should be uh, well equipped with the demands of 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 uh, speaking to the audience via a radio platform. I think. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to think so. I think throughout the the year, there's been enough Zoom calls for uni and whatnot, so I think everyone's getting pretty accustomed to it. Yeah, exactly. And I think also speaking about Arsenal, especially as we said in light of a game like yesterday, there is a lot of. Um, emotional uh, response to to be able to discuss and share so look let's get straight into it i'm gonna just ask you right now sort of you've had a, a good a good few hours uh, and the evening to sort of uh, mull over and absorb and deal with the the consequences and and the fallout of the game how, what are your reactions now uh, to the result and the performance? Because I think the result and the performance are quite are two quite different things, maybe. But how, where are you standing? Where are you sitting now? I think my preliminary thoughts are that when you have as bad a start as we had, points are so important, especially games that you should be winning. That being said, I don't think we're at the point yet where a single game will cost us any chance of a title or any any of that. And so I think primarily once you get the emotion out of the way, mm. there were maybe more positives than negatives to take out of yesterday. Yeah, it's definitely true. I think I'm I'm feeling pretty, um, not that I don't care about losing, but the result itself is somewhat irrelevant in my thinking, just because the way we lost the match was so crazy. And, you know, as Arsenal fans and, and the club can feel, quite rightly that they've been served an injustice it's more about sort of focusing on the positives and I think there were plenty of positives yesterday and like you say it's not like we're in a position where we're sort of losing our Champions League place or place at the top of the title top of the league sorry we're you know a, a win yesterday would have been great and sort of it would have been really I think suitable and and fair a reflection of sort of the progress we made over the last you know 10 games or so but unfortunately disaster struck and some some classic um aspects of our classic sort of self-destructive side did come into play yesterday but again like you I think having had a bit of time to reflect upon the performance and the result and the way in which it capitulated there was something that was less painful about it I think and more frustrating because I think we could all see that we were the the, the team were very much well placed to win the game yesterday but 
I missed the um, I missed the first twenty minutes. Um, Best twenty minutes. I'll yeah, so I, I sort of I tuned in just when um, when Pepe he didn't just before his goal he had that that chance down the left hand side. I think keeper so. saved it onto the bar, no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I, I, I tuned in then. But do you do you want to fill me in on sort of what happened then? I know Saka had a disallowed goal. He also had a great chance as well. But I think those 20 minutes really set the tone for, for the way the rest of the half went. Mate, honestly, I, I think it's it's some of the best minutes of football I've seen Arsenal play in, in a long, long time. And it was it was super encouraging, I think, more so than any other game because a player who has consistently underperformed started performing. And that's after, that's a week, that's a couple of games after having having some good, good set of matches in, in Nicolas Pepe. Mm. Um, so it was great to see him playing well. I mean, I just I thought we were we were playing unbelievable football. As Arteta said, we could have scored four. I mean, obviously that would have been a, a hope. But you're sitting there thinking, right? We're playing well against a very out of form lead side. The only thing, then we score the goal, of course. And mm. I'm just thinking the only thing that could possibly lose us this match had to happen, of course. Like the most classic Arsenal self capitulation. I mean, you can blame it on the refs, you can blame it on the team or on David Luiz, but I mean, I think at the end of the day, it's it's one of those ones you're not going to be getting every game. So you just kind of got to take it on the chin and move. Yeah, I think the fact that it, it, you can definitely, we can view that slightly differently to some of the, the I mean, what we're labelling the classic Arsenal capitulations. And this very much is part of that. But I think the circumstances are slightly different just because of the David Luiz incident. But we'll get onto that um, a bit more because that that is definitely worth uh, covering in some detail. <laughs> Talking point, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so just like before the game, I mean, the only, I sort of knew that, uh, we knew that Kieran Tierney wasn't going to be fit and ready to start. Uh, Arteta said after the game that he, he wasn't close. So hopefully some progress can be made in that regard before Saturday. Not yeah. that I, I think Cedric Suarez has done really well since coming in at left back. Uh, Bakayo Saka came back in again, like you what said. What an unbelievable player! What an unbelievable player! Every oh, week he brilliant. doesn't cease to amaze me. He just he just pulls it out of the bag. He can do everything. He's one of the most well-rounded. Obviously, I'm I'm getting way overexcited. But he's one of the most well-rounded young players I've, I've oh, ever seen. I think. Yeah, I agree, and I think we have the. Obviously, we're going to be slightly biased and perhaps excited, but. I'd like to think that that doesn't even come into it when we're assessing his quality because we obviously watch him week in, week out. And we've watched him over the last year play left back, left wing back, you know, centre mid, attacking mid, right wing. And every single position he's played, every single player that he's played with, every moment that he's had where he has a chance to make a difference, he has. And it's incredible to think he's, you know, as young as he is. And I was talking to to a couple of the boys today and we're talking about uh, Gareth Southgate's potentially his strongest England and starting 11. And I said to them, I was like, just, just, just maybe he's not quite there in terms of, you know, the pedigree and, you know, the experience with the likes of Rashford and Sterling and Sancho, but in terms of performances and the way that he plays with other players and his attitude, his sort of all rounded game, his footballing intelligence, just watch this space in terms of how he does for the rest yeah, of the season. Because I think he is really, he had his breakthrough season last year to an extent, but I think this year he is really pushing on. Um, but he came back into the team, which was good to see after I think we missed his presence against United, even though I thought we played, you know, respectively, sort of very respectfully well in that game. Nicolas Pepe kept his place on the left, which I think is is very much deserved. And I'd be really disappointed if he if he didn't start against Aston Villa on Saturday, even with Aubameyang sort of returning to the fold. But like you say, I think we played some excellent attacking football um, in the first half from what I saw. Um, again, Saka had that great chance in the first minute, which you sort of hope he'd score, but it's the first minute. Can I just point out what a brilliant ball by party that was for that? He had an that. exceptional first half, did he not? He was, he was... I he just, was, I, yeah, God, it's, it really is hard, hard to take that, that we didn't do something with that. But I must say, when you've got, like, you've got a bit of defensive stability, like, we're not conceding goals every game, our second best defensive record in the league, even. And then you've got the creativity and the input coming from as far back as Thomas Party. Players that produce the output like Pepe and Aubameyang can flourish so much when it when it's all ticking like that. And we saw that in the first twenty minutes. Pepe was getting chances upon chances, and then he slotted a beautiful one home. But yeah, but I think just... 
it's it's a combination of obviously we can see that Nicola Pepe is 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 playing with a with a supreme confidence um at least he was yesterday and and that's been building over the last few matches and we've seen it he's he's looking more effective on the ball he's he's trying the things that he has done in the past but they're coming off a bit more and even even if they don't he is is tracking back well he's winning the ball he looks determined physical you know, you can just see he, he looks a different player to before when he wasn't in the team. You know, he obviously had that sending off. And also, I think, you know, just in terms of the way in which he's been afforded the chance over the last week or two to play with Emile Smith-Rowe, who has been pivotal, I think, albeit maybe not connecting the midfield and the attack and Thomas Partey as well, sort of progressing the ball. Xhaka even with Partey next to him has, has shown himself. can do his own job a little bit more comfortably. Doesn't have the burdens not all on him. So I think Pepe is benefiting from a more cohesive team, which I think he has not had at Arsenal until now. So it's really encouraging to see him, um, you know, sort of produce what we know he's capable of. And I think that goal, again, I was sort of, I wasn't quite uh, at home yet watching it on the TV, but I was I was walking home and I had uh, had it open on BT Sport, and I saw it live. And then I was just I had to stop and, and watch it again because it was just so enjoyable to see a goal like that scored, where he, you know, he he's renowned for sort of his, his taking it too far and going for the nutmegs, but on this on this on this occasion, he he won the ball back initially then sort of held off um, Nelson Semedo at right, uh, their right back really impressively, got it through his legs, maybe slightly fortunately, doesn't matter, then got it through. It's determination, as I thought. Yeah, yeah got Cody's gets legs. Gets it through the legs, gets nicked off the knee, so like, or like the, the foot, so it's going a bit, the ball's going a bit crazy, and then just the determination to get it back, another Meg, slot it in, was outstanding. Slot it in, he smacks it in with his right foot. Smacks it in top bins, mate. You haven't seen, you know, he's normally on the, down the right-hand side. foot as well. Yeah, down the right-hand side, he's so one-footed and predictable. And it's great to see him look so dangerous on the left-hand side and seeing Saka look so dangerous on the right-hand side. It looks like we found a good balance, albeit sort of without Aubameyang our... Uh, our most expensive talisman, yeah. talisman, but we'll get onto that. I don't think that's necessarily a problem. It's more of a positive uh, discussion to be had. Uh, but yeah, so that the first goal, I mean, was was great, and and he'd already been involved. Pepe drawing a great save, and I think that was sort of you know we deserve that given the way that we started the game. We had another few good openings. Um, Partey was controlling the midfield. And we're thinking, right, this is some of the best football we've been playing this season. And, you know, we're finally starting to reap the reap the rewards of sort of sticking with the, the same players each week, playing good attacking football, being more direct, um, relying on our attacking players more and not just on our defensive sort of uh, rigidity. And then, I mean, literally as we're going into the 47th minute, so two minutes been added on, I mean, well... I'm going to ask you what what happened from from where you were you were sitting and watching. So my initial reactions were, the man's gone down. David Luiz is near him, and it's completely our fault. I mean, and that's nothing against David. I think he's a he's a quality player and he's great for the team, great leader. But I mean, his 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 history at the club has shown us what he does. And yeah, my immediate thought was, God, what's he done this time? Mm. Um. In terms of the actual foul, I mean, it's the rules, isn't it? Mm. Um, and I guess that's what VAL is there for. I, I find it quite stupid how if he had, in fact, gone for the ball more, even if it means taking the player out in a much more dangerous fashion, then it may have been a yellow and not a red card. Like, I, the logic doesn't, doesn't align for me. Mm. But I mean, that's just, I guess, that's the technicalities of the rules. Um, I kind of, as soon as that happened, I was, I was pretty resigned to what was going to happen the rest of the game. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I wasn't, I was really like, I, I, I was watching the second half, but with a very much expectation of what, what, how it was going to play. And also in a weird way, not much anger or anything towards the team, which at points like that, I would often feel in the second half after letting a lead slip like that. But I mean, it's almost out of their control that, and it's, it's just quite harsh. It's unlucky and it's just harsh. 
Yeah, I think it's it's important to to notice that. I mean, Arteta after the game was was very adamant in his praise towards the team's efforts, both in the first half when we were, you know, we had eleven men and were playing brilliantly, and with ten men and then nine men, which we'll get onto as well. Um, you know, you can't fault the effort of the players, and even though I I do think, you know, when we've had the likes of Xhaka and and Pepe and uh, Gabriel sent off, I mean, over the last couple of months. We still haven't been able to fault the effort of the team, I don't think. But because the team were playing badly, I think it's a lot more difficult to, to empathise with with the struggles that they've got. But I did feel just a bit sorry for them yesterday because they were playing so well. And, you know, seeing even the likes of Granite Xhaka yesterday, he was trying so hard. You know, he was he was next to um, Aubameyang towards the end of the game, even with nine men, pressing as hard as he could. And you just think, like, at that point, it's just a bit too difficult. But like you say, that 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 uh, David Luiz decision, I mean, like, yeah, the rule itself is is the issue here. I mean, the, the referee and VAR have upheld the law in a way, and you can't necessarily argue with that. What you can argue with is the, the almost loophole that if a player... Double. Yeah, the double, double, double jeopardy rule that's been put in place to sort of avoid these situations from happening when there's an attempt to, to play the ball and you make the foul and then, you know, the player gets a yellow card and you concede a penalty. But on this occasion, because he didn't try and win the ball, then he gets sent off because, well, that's the rule, which I just think is slightly ridiculous. And we saw it yesterday as well with Southampton and both teams have, have appealed for the red cards. But I, I must mean- say I was, I was, um, somewhat relieved that the same decision was made in the Southampton game because I know that if if that man hadn't been given a yellow card or whatever if it had been a different scenario it would have been absolutely fuming in the inconsistency mm. so I, once that once that happened and I saw that I was like okay you know what it's just a stupid rule but it's the rule and at least there's a bit of consistency going along mm. with it yeah and I think you know but we're, we're not sort of I don't think we're angry at the result or the team but we're angry that we know we were on to win the game and the way that it happened so so soon before half time is just so infuriating and frustrating and we feel like we've been hard done by at the end of the day look i i i think the rule is stupid and it's such a harsh punishment for something that david louise was you know you, clearly yes he was trying to get out of the way or not to make contact but for whatever reason the guy sort of Tap, trips over him and yes you give the penalty for that I think fine but I don't think you need to punish him with a red card if there's a rule that's already been put in place to sort of it's, limit it's not dangerous and yeah and it's, there's a rule that's been put in place for the very reason of not making a punishment like that too hard you don't have the the penalty and and a great a great opportunity to concede a goal and then also lose a man for the rest of the game it's just nonsensical that regardless of what you're trying to do, that there's a differentiation between if you intend to win the ball and if you don't, I just, and the way that the, you know, the referees were sort of backing it up after the game and, and singling out David Louise as someone who, you know, several times has done this. It's just like, it's hard to look past the reputation side of things. Absolutely. And, you know, having said that, you know, David Louise has now had six red cards in his time at Arsenal, which you know, I'm pretty sure is is nearly sort of one of our. You know, he's one of the players in our in our modern history who's had the most uh, red cards. Arsenal have now had nine red cards since Arteta took over as manager, which is triple the amount of anyone else. I think you know Norwich or something in in Premier League um, since Arteta, Arteta took over got three or something like that. So it is. I don't think we can necessarily look past it because sort of having three times more red cards than anyone else is quite i mean it's not just out of nowhere i don't think yeah they can't but, do, do you, what do, what do you make of that is there anything in that can you um, see a reasoning behind it or i mean in terms of the squad it's not i mean it, you can place it down to a lack of experience for a lot of those lads like gabriel's red card pepe's just getting obviously frustrated um jacker's as well the the throat grab i mean that that stuff is just a couple of hotheads losing their temper, which is you can iron that out with a bit of experience and consistency. Then you look at the biggest perpetrator of it all is probably our most experienced player. Mm. And it does dumbfound you a little bit. Um, I must say that when I think against, it was a Southampton game, the second one in the league, the three, one, 
my dad sent me a text at like half time being like, we need to get David Luiz off the pitch because he's got a mistake in him. Mm. And, and I'm just, yeah, I mean, it was one of those ones where I was sitting there like, as long as he stays in the team, there will be a point when he costs us points, whether yeah. it's a mistake like that. And you do almost have to think that this might be a blessing in disguise and just get Gabriel right back in the team. I know he was out for COVID, but, but why shouldn't he be playing? I mean, he yeah. couldn't have had a better start in the Arsenal shirt. Like, And it comes back to the idea of if, if Gabriel, even Rob Holding makes that tackle yesterday, exactly. I think less of a, less of an issue because they're less experienced and, you know, maybe they don't get sent off because they're not David Louise. I think it's harsh on David Louise, but, you know, we're sort of, if we look back to, you know, we've obviously got issues with the penalty, but, you know, having David Luiz that far up the pitch with... Yeah, I mean, defensively. Go, and I, I, I sort of paused it when I was watching the highlights and Xhaka, Partey and, and Luiz are within about two metres of each other and the space that's left in behind is 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 way too big and it gets exploited. I think there's a chance that maybe Holding or Bellerin can, can sort of go in for the ball and then, you know, concede the foul and, and it's not a goal scoring opportunity because either one of them would be covering, but, you know, it's just, it's sloppy to get into that position um, just before half time. And we can only have ourselves to blame at that moment in time, because whatever happens, however unfair it is afterwards, we've allowed that situation to develop. And it's something that we've seen far too often with these sorts of players that are experienced enough to know that, you know, in this example, with five seconds to go, if that um, of this of this first half, just don't go for the ball. You don't need to when there's two other players literally right there. So, I mean, yeah, really bitter pill to swallow. And I think just on the on the the copious amounts of red cards. I mean, I do wonder whether sort of Arteta coming in and 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 really trying to shake things up. You know, clearly we can see it's working to some some extent, but sort of getting these players, some new, some old, some more experienced, some less experienced, out of their comfort zones and probably pushing them a lot harder than maybe they used to be pushing, perhaps in certain game states when the pressure's on, when they feel like they need to, you know, do more and 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 push themselves. They're more prone to to sort of these sorts of outbursts. Maybe it's something that will grow out of, and I think over time we'll be able to look back at this period of time and think, well, maybe we can attribute it to certain factors. Transition period. And, and this transition and, you know, they're going to be bumped along the way, but it is, it is uh, pretty extraordinary to see <laughs> nine. Yeah, I mean, the when extra the statistics are, are kind of mental. Yeah. Um, so, look, I mean, that obviously changes the, the, the halftime team talk. Massively, I'm sure. Things the whole uh, game. It, it, I mean, it, it, it ruined the game for us. I mean, it, I'm not saying it wasn't deserved or any of that, but it, it ruined the game of football for us. I mean, and, and that's why I think there was just little emotion left from my side as a fan watching the second half because, of course, Neves buries the pen. Um, yeah. And then, I mean, I will... I mean, I'm sure we'll go on to it, but... Yeah, I mean, to, to hold a decent team, albeit in very bad form, but quite a good team to a single wonder goal with 10 men and then nine men. It's, it's not a bad, bad no. way to go out. No, it's not bad. I think it's interesting. You know, I think a lot of Arsenal fans would, I mean, I'm sure because of the way that David Luiz was sent off and the sort of sucker punch nature of it just before halftime, I'm sure a lot of Arsenal fans would have, would have started watching that second half with, with little faith, especially given the fact that we've seen those sorts of games change on their head. Um, with the likes of, you know, the Xhaka, the Pepe, the, the the Gabriel decisions gone. I mean, probably the Xhaka won most out of those. But we've seen, we've been there, we've done that, we've seen it. And so there's little hope, I think, when that sort of thing happens. And then straight away, Jean Moutinho strikes a slap. Very good. Yeah. We, we could have had 13 players on the pitch and that ball's going in every day of the week. Yeah, so. and it's like, you know, after that and after Leno got himself sent off, which we'll come on to, then Wolves started looking a lot more dangerous. You know, after they scored that goal, Arsenal immediately felt like they had to ch chase the game a bit more, leaving spaces in behind. And so then I think it was a, more of a tough watch. But like you say, I don't think we can be too heavy-hearted with the efforts of, of the players and the sort of the... Um, 
yeah, how much it changed so drastically from the first to the second half. And that's because we were down to 10 men and that's what happens, especially in a game like this when you're so on top, which is a shame. We saw what happened yesterday with Southampton against Manchester United um, and Southampton. Oh, that was just, you got to feel bad for them, honestly. It looked like Ralph Hasenhutl was about to cry. I know he's quite an emotional guy, but I've, I felt so sorry for him, considering he's already gone through that last year against Leicester. In the end of two nine nils, one is more your team is just not good enough and the other one is just very circumstantial. It's very harsh. Yeah. But I think the only other thing really, I mean, the second half, there's not much else to touch on, bar I think there's a couple of things. First one, I wasn't convinced about, I know we needed a goal, but I'm not sure bringing Pepe off was necessarily the right call in terms of being able to grab something from the game. I think, you know, if we were going to sit, try and sit in and then break on the counter attack later on in the game, Pepe would have perhaps been uh, uh, that, given the fact that, um, you know, Smith Rowe has played so many minutes recently. And I, I don't know, maybe it wouldn't have made a difference, but I don't think Aubameyang really managed to get into the game. He's not a player who's great at carrying the ball. You sort of want him on the end of things. And I think the chance of that happening yesterday in the second half was, was pretty minimal. And then <laughs> we had uh, another just, just crazy moment. Um, <laughs> So talk me through talk me through what what happened there and and your your reaction to it. I mean, it probably. Quite I mean, yeah. The issue is with again, it's it's a it's a stupid error to make, but I do think Arsenal fans as a whole will give Leno so much more leeway than they would give David Luiz, for instance, because Leno has been fantastic the past few games and to be honest, the past year and a bit. Um, that being said, unbelievable shot stopper. We've we've seen errors in in his mobility before. It may, whether it's like coming out for to punch the ball away in a corner or or rushing out like that, it was just a bit. I don't know if you can say inexperienced, but rash maybe. Uh, I mean, it's unlucky a, again. I'll tell you what, a bad he's 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 not coming in the right positioning. I mean, I don't want to say game was over already, but it was nearing the end. Yeah, I mean, it, we could have. Even Grabbed one with with the extra, or well, not the extra man, but with the um, <laughs> additional the keeper. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, again, yeah, no, it was just it was one of those ones where it happened, and and then it just reinforced this idea of you know what, we'll wait till next week. It, not even too harsh. I mean, it's I think it's I think the worst thing about it is losing Leno for three games. Um, well, I, I I'm not sure we do. I think we lose him. I'm not sure if we do lose him three games. You know, is it? I thought the. Let me just check that. I'll look it up right now because... Straight red is a three-game ban. I thought that too, but I'm pretty sure both red cards, because they are um, not sort of violent conduct, I'm pretty sure they are now just one-match bans. Let's have a little look. That, that's, I mean, that's certainly a relief. Um. Yeah, both ma- both players were sent off for denying goal scoring opportunities, which counts as a one match suspension. So that's slightly a relief. I mean, yeah, I, mean yeah, I, thought, I thought Runison did pretty well when he came on. He had to make. A yeah, yeah, she wasn't bad. I mean, I, I feel bad for the kid. He had to it's take a free kick at the end, and he was just desperately looking at the sidelines, being like, he looked completely out of his place. And and how can you expect to keep her like that? who's inexperienced and clearly not quite up to the level to come on at that moment in time when you've got nine men on the pitch to try and, you know, whip in a, a delightful delivery for, for someone to, to salvage a point. I mean, it's slightly unfair, but yeah, pressure. so much pressure. I think, you know, he did well, but yeah, the Leno thing, I mean, it was quite, he's been great. He, he's been one of our best, most consistent performers this season and last. I do think that moment was quite a classic sort of, I mean, I don't know if it's an Arsenal keeper thing or I think all keepers have a moment of madness in them because they are forced to make split second decisions and you rely on that consistency in, in sort of being able to manage, you know, the, the likes of when you go, when you don't go, when you come out, when you stay on your line. And it reminded me of, you know, the likes of Jens Lehmann back in the day or even Chesney and Fabianski. They sort of charge out of their area and, and sort of make a mistake. But I think he just... Probably, again, game state, sort of wanting to rush to the ball because he felt slightly desperate to, you know, get the ball up the pitch or make an interception. And then he just missed up, judged the flight of the ball. Maybe it was slippy. I don't know. And then just 
you know, landed awkwardly. Yeah. I mean, it was almost comical, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. And at that point, you've just got to be like, I mean, whatever. I mean, if, if it wasn't going to be our day, then that sort of sort of seal, seals it. Uh, and we, like you say, then we take off, you know, we take off Thomas Partey and, and, and we sort of accept that it's just not our day and, and we go again. Um, it yeah. is pretty classic, I must say, that the fact that it's it's literally the, the week after we've gotten rid of a lot of these players who I know a lot of our friends have considered the core of Banter FC as Arsenal, like Mustafi, Kalasinac. We finally get rid of them, shift them on, mm. and then we're back to the same old making stupid mistakes to lose us a game. I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm not even too disheartened by it. I, I still think we played really well. Um, but it is just classic Arsenal, isn't it? Like, how many times is this going to happen? Yeah, and I think this is the thing and what we were talking about before we started talking about the game is that whilst it's really important probably to just sort of park this game in, you know, different different sort of circumstances, it was slightly exceptional and we can, we can forget about the way the match sort of uh, capitulated for us. But I don't think we should forget the sort of positives and I think Arteta will will definitely do well to remind his players of the of the impressive nature of their first half display I mean that the individual quality that was on showing from the likes of Saka Pepe Partey was was really really promising I think that the sort of collective attacking cohesion as well was really um really enjoyable to watch more than anything as well so I think from a from a footballing point of view there were so many positives to take away and I hope we can bring them into our next game and also perhaps use the frustration and, you know, clearly yeah, the players are seriously riled up about the decisions that went against them. So hopefully, and I, I anticipate them to sort of use that to their advantage in the Villa game. Um, but again, it sort of makes, makes the, um, makes their circumstances even more sort of, you know, um, severe, you know, we've got to use this as a, as a positive and I'm just hoping that we can because... Yeah, I mean, you've, just got, you've, you've got to think that they, um, they can lose their belief after something like that. I mean, you can tell by all the social media posts, they knew that the, the, the decision was out of their hands and it was just unlucky. You've got to think that they, they still knew that they could beat that team and they carry on that confidence into Villa. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, look, just, just finishing up on this game, um, you know, we had the chance, albeit temporarily, to move up to sixth, which I was sort of looking at before the game. And I felt really confident before the game, to be honest. And I suppose our showing the first half sort of, um, yeah, uh, aligned with my, my, my optimism before the game. But, you know, we're now very much mid-table. And I think, like you said earlier, it's a testament to sort of losing too many games and the poor run of form that we, we endured. We've got Leeds after the Villa game, City after that. I mean, I think the Villa game's all the more important now. And I I think, I don't know if you can say, right, we need to win this game. I mean, again, back in the day, maybe we could say that, but Villa are a very good team these days. I think you just can't lose the game and then you 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 win the Leeds game or you, you, you just, you know, don't lose the momentum after sort of, you know, you're risking losing some momentum now after what happened there. And I think it's still very much there and could be used to our advantage. But I think... You know, it, it does make the Villa game all the more, um, all the more exciting in a way. But we'll get onto that. Um, actually, we'll get onto that now, and we can talk about the transfer window just after that. Um, so, like we said, no, no, burnt Leno probably for the weekend. No, definitely for the weekend. We're not appealing that one. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, Matt Ryan is injured already, classic, but presumably he'll be back for the uh for the villa game which is slightly ironic because he was dropped by brighton for being pretty terrible in the premier league and now of course as soon as we he's coming in he's coming in and and even if he's not then runison who has just been dropped from our europa league squad will have to play <laughs> so his confidence won't be too too great and you know the ironic thing is that emmy martinez will be in the opposition goal um yeah i mean how do you how do you think that will that will sort of affect the team and maybe also if David Luiz is out as well? I mean, I've already said what I think about the David Luiz being out. Maybe it's a blessing in disguise, get Gabriel back in the team. He was our best player the first few games of the season, undoubtedly. Um, coming up against Martinez, I, I don't know. I, I've only got love for that guy. He was at the mm. club for time and, and it's great that he's getting his, his chance. And to be honest, Villa as a team are they're saucy, mate. They're really saucy. Yeah, they really Jack Grealish, 
probably one of the best performers. I mean, definitely one of the best performers in the league this year. Maybe the nicest football player to watch this whole season for me. Um, he's he's unbelievable, and and I think we would do really well to to get the three points, and it would be an acceptable getting the point off them. Yeah, and I think they showed. I know we were in a bad vein of form when they came to the Emirates, but that that three 0 loss at home really sort of. Um, exposed the difference between the two sides and they were playing the sort of direct, expansive, attacking football, getting in behind, yeah. carrying the ball, which which made it hurt so much because that was that time, that was our big issue. But like you say, I think, you know, obviously Burnt Leno is going to be a big loss for that game. I don't know if David Luiz is, is that big of a deal because we've, we've sort of had a variety of centre-back partnerships over the last couple of weeks and towards the beginning of the season. You know, the likes of Gabriel were playing really well at the beginning of the season. Pablo Mari and uh, and Rob Holden. Yeah, I mean, he, really he promised a few great games. And I think he's back in full training now, so it could be a case of him coming in um, and not chucking Gabriel in. Although I thought he did pretty well in the half that he was on yesterday. Um, he yeah. Some great challenges. And I don't think there's any rush to sort of get Gabriel back in because he's young, but, you know, we've spent a fair bit of money on him. So I'm not too fussed who comes in to partner Rob Holding on Saturday. And... Yeah, I think uh, I guess the only other thing is is, is the sort of question about Aubameyang. Um, I don't think you can justify not starting Pepe, Saka starting on the right. I think Smith Rowe, unless you know he's played a lot of minutes recently and he has looked tired, does he maybe start on the bench? But you, then you lose the sort of the connectivity. Yeah, yeah. That's a case of Odegaard coming in, but then is he ready to play straight away? I'm not sure, but. Do you see Aubameyang? How how would he come back in? Um, because he's not going to stay on I mean, the bench. One thing that I noticed yesterday a lot, which is that Saka and Smith Rowe often switched in and out of that right wing and centre mid position. And I think, I mean, that's that, that's not to say Saka should be playing mm. Cam, but if if needs be, and we want to we want to be playing Aubameyang and Pepe, then that's always an option. I I don't think Aubameyang um, should just jump right into the team. Um, I still think he's un- undoubtedly one of our best players, and still, I, th- I still think he's one of the most clinical goal scorers in the world. Um, but I don't, I don't think he deserves to jump right back in the team right now, um, especially whilst play- Pepe is playing well. I think Bamiang knows his qualities; he knows how much we we need him, um, and I think it's time to show a bit of faith in Pepe. Maybe give the boy a bit of confidence. Um, something which Bamiang I don't think really will be too affected by. He's had a pretty good career. Um, but yeah, I mean, also then you can't really drop Lacazette. I felt really bad when we had to take him off at halftime yesterday because he's really starting to find a, quite a rich vein of form. Um, playing in the role which a lot of people actually said he should have been playing even a little bit before Arteta, like the, almost the Bobby Firmino role of, of dropping back into the hole. Mm. And, and you can see he's getting on the assists quite often. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm not really sure because the issue is you bring a Bamming in and, and it does have to change quite a bit of how we're playing, I think. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think I'd be... Look, the reality is I don't think Saka, if he's fit, he starts because he's been one of our best players on the right. Unless you move Pepe over to that side, if Saka needs a rest and then you can start. Yeah. Again, Lacazette, I know he had that. He had a bit of a bit of an injury um, at the end of the United game. I think he was fine. But I mean, maybe he didn't look completely 100% in the first half, but he's still been really impressive recently. And I think his... His ability to connect with the likes of Smithrow and Saka he just looks so much more alert and energetic. And I think that's really promising. So I think, again, you don't really want to move him out. But I think if if you've got Saka, Aubameyang, Smithrow, Pepe and Lacazette all sort of fit and ready to start, I think the one that you maybe switch out is Lacazette just in terms of the importance of of Saka and and um, Pepe on those two flanks, I think at the moment, I think Aubameyang pro- perhaps do some of the things that Lacazette's doing. Also, the fact that, you know, Aubameyang we've committed sort of, you know, the next two, three years to, and I don't think we've committed to him playing on the left. I think he he will end up sort of shifting inside and Lacazette obviously is, his contract's running down. So I think maybe that change is one that will happen at some point. But yeah. like you say, 
you don't really want to change it at the moment. So I'd have no problem with the Bamiyang starting on the bench if, if everyone's fit and ready to go. But I also would understand a bit of rotation because I think that's that's only right and proper given how many minutes yeah, I mean, of the games at the moment, especially playing with 10 and nine men. I, I bet, you know, the likes of Smith Rowe who played 90 minutes against United, 90 yeah. minutes today, I mean, he must be shattered. Absolutely. I also, I do think that we, we are forgetting that Bamiyang did, his last start for us was he scored a brace and the first goal was a pretty good one, I must say. Um, he had his all his personal issues, um, which I do hope is, is all resolved and, and mm. better. But um, quite unlucky for him. He's just getting back into form, and then and then he's missed a few games. But I mean, yeah, we, if we think about that, he's he's actually not. He only had like a three games maybe when we we've actually been playing good football and we've been playing positively. Um, and I think we were dread we were dreadful the first half of the season, absolutely dreadful. And he wasn't scoring, but. As you say, he's the guy we want in the end. He's the outlet. And if the input's not going in, he's not going to be producing. So now now we've got some input, stick him back in the team, and I'm sure we'll see goals. Like, Well, this is the thing. I mean, again, right now, you don't necessarily want to change it because everyone's playing well, Lacazette's playing well. But like we said with Pepe, this is the first time he's had a chance to play in a what seems to be yeah, of a functioning attacking unit. And it's the same with the Bamiyang. Like he's, since he's come to Arsenal, he's played in a team that just don't create chances and don't create the openings that he sort of relies on. And he's been, you know, outperforming sort of what's expected of him in terms of underlying metrics and expected goals over the last couple of years at an extraordinary rate. And, you know, that shows what an elite goal scorer he is. But again, we've invested this, this, this money in him and, and, you know, he's our captain and the same with Pepe, we've made this investment and there's clearly excellent talent there. And I think they've got to be, they've got to be given a run of games in the positions where they can, you know, impact the team in a positive way most, which is, you know, probably a Bamiyang up front and and at the moment Pepe on the left. And I think if an argument has to be made to drop any of them, I think unless it detriments the team like too much, which I don't think it would, then Lacazette would perhaps be the one who could rotate a bit more just because we either, you know, extend his deal by one year or we need to look to sell him this summer because otherwise we've got another you know 50 million pound asset entering the last 12 months of his contract and uh you know history walk away on a nice little free transfer at the end of it which we can't afford to do again so look it's a dilemma for the for the manager but i think it's a bad dilemma to have though for once no many options yeah and and sort of seeing you know more recently it's like or who's going to start out of Pepe and Willian when they're both, you know, completely out of form. But how that shifted now with Pepe in form and Saka playing, Aubameyang coming back, everyone playing well, we're creating more chances. Our attacking players are looking better because we are starting to become a better attacking team, which we haven't been for ages. So again, it's not, it's not a tough, it's not a bad decision to have to make. And also given the amount of football for the rest of the season, you know, everyone's going to get plenty of minutes. So I'm not too worried about that. I just hope that, you know, we we make the right calls to rest certain players at the right times. But I don't think Pepe right now is one that you rest at all because he's really you know, he's been taken off the last last game. Um he, you know, he he he's not someone who you think looks jaded. He hasn't played loads of football, so he should be really fresh and, and chomping at the bit to keep going, which I think he is. Um so yeah, how do you just before we get on to the for the transfer window for the last part of this podcast, um what are you expecting or hoping for from the from the Villa game, really? Um, I quickly just want to say that I think, again, super indicative of how good a position we are in terms of team choices is that we neither of us have mentioned the name Martinelli once. Yeah. Um, who I still, he's one of my favourite players. I think he's an unbelievable talent for the, for the future, that is. Um, but, I mean, he can make a Premier League impact, as we've seen. And I, I think... He is young and is behind those guys in the pecking order right now. But I think us not even mentioning his his contention isn't a bad thing at all. At all. I think it's actually a really good thing that we don't have to rely consistently on 19-year-olds to get us out of these sticky situations. Mm. Um, I think in terms of Villa game, I'm, I, I want a win. I would, I would love us to, to get a convincing win. But as you said, if we, if we perform well and we show we're up to it, and if it doesn't go away and we get a draw, that's fine and I'll take it. But we just need to perform and keep playing the same type of football. Yeah, I think... Show it, our intent. Yeah, exactly. I think it would be a really... If we can, regardless of the result, 
to the extent of which if it's a draw or a win, I think a loss would, would be detrimental in terms of confidence and stuff like that. But if we play the way that we did in the first half against Wolves and we play in the way that we have in, in the last few league games, I mean, since the Chelsea game, then I think we can really sort of give it a go and and try and get something from the game because, you know, Villa have been been really consistent this year. But, you know, if we're playing well, there's no reason to suggest we can't go there and get a result. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Um, just I think you've, got to, um, you've got to be putting in a good shift so we can start with the recruitment of, J- of Jack Grealish. <laughs> get him to the Gooners in summer, that's what I want. Well, that was one of one of the uh, the AFC Bell before before he retired on Twitter. One of his last uh, lines of inquiry was that Arsenal were, you know, whether it's true or not, dependent on. I mean, I think I don't think it, whether it's true. I think every good team in the world want Jack Grealish. Uh, yeah, I think exactly. I don't think it's ridiculous that we want him. Whether or not he'd come to us is a completely different story. But yeah, God, what a signing he'd do for us! He would uh, fit the mould so perfectly. There's no chance of him. I don't think there's any chance of him coming, but you know. No, no, no. Let's talk hypothetically. We qualify for the Champions League. We need a player in that mould and he's ready. He'll probably want to play Champions League football. Why wouldn't he come to Arsenal? I mean. Mates with Saka as well, man. Who doesn't want to play? And and Rob Holding and and the likes. And, you know, it's probably a boyhood Arsenal fan, probably. I mean, so many of them. Probably one of the many. Um, so speaking of transfers, let's let's have a brief word on, on the January transfer window because it was a pretty significant window. I mean, not necessarily in terms of incomings, but we'll have a word on those before we talk about who left. Um, Martin Odegaard obviously came in on loan and Matt Ryan too. Um, what do you make of those two uh, signings, albeit, you know, short, temporary sort of fill the gaps until the end of the season? Um, I thought the Matt Ryan deal was a good piece of business. I think we we definitely needed a, a sub goalkeeper who, in the case that it, in such a case where Leno's out, whether it's injury or suspension, can say right the- now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, Runner Runnison seems like a nice guy, but he's really not cut out for it, not yet, at least. He's so small. Yeah, he, he's just not a Premier League keeper right now. Um, Matt Ryan, I, I I always thought was a decent keeper. He got dropped this season due to poor performances, but I mean. If we need him to slot in for a game or two, it's I don't think it's the end of the world. I think it's quite a necessary piece of business. Makes sense. I agree. Also, no, not really any any financial loss on it. It's it's just adding another squad member with a bit more experience. Mm. Martin Odegaard, I mean, my first thought was, Christ, i got to start a new football manager ASAP because this kid's going to be one of the best in the world. I mean, it was a bit surreal, wasn't it? Because he's, he was, I wouldn't say a household name, but I first heard his name when I was like 15 years old in physics. Well, when he Real Madrid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, when he was 15 as well. And he'd signed an 80,000 80, euro a week contract at Madrid for a 15-year-old Norwegian kid. Um, pretty unbelievable. Seven years on, he's supposedly a good player and, and getting his chance at the Premier League. Quite exciting, I think. Definitely. I think he, he, it's a sort of no-brainer in terms of you know, it's it's not a massive financial commitment. It's not like we're signing, you know, someone like William, for example, on loan with a option slash obligation to buy, and then we're stuck with an overage player. I mean, there's only upside if it works out. Then, you know, even if there's not an option to buy and written into the clause, then I'm sure we can we can readdress it at the end of the season because we it's obvious we need a player in that in that position to you know, uh, rotate and compete with Emil Smith-Rowe, who looks great in that position, but he can't do it all on his own for the rest of the season. Yeah, we can't be relying on, on a single 20-year-old to, exactly. to be... Especially with his sort of fitness concerns over the last few years. I think, yeah, it, he, he, he has the experience. He, he, was, he was, from a lot of people who were watching Spanish football last year, he was one of, if not the most consistently impressive performers in La Liga. I mean, at least up until lockdown and, and the league stopped, but you know, he was playing brilliantly and I think he definitely brings a lot of the sorts of qualities that the team need. Whether he can find his feet in the Premier League is another question, but I'm sure we'll see that over the next Especially few years. Especially such a short period of time. Exactly. And and I think, you know, it's uh, hopefully he can, he can, he can make a contribution. Uh, what, how big that contribution will be is, is we will we'll wait and see. But Matt Ryan too, I mean, I think just, just, yeah, it makes sense if we need a bit of reassurance in that position. But I think more importantly, it was it was a window of of trimming the squad because I think Absolutely. we all realise 
Arteta more than anyone sort of it was perhaps all right at the beginning of the season given that it was difficult to shift these players in the summer but really in hindsight we can now say that these players should have we should have done what we did this this window last window because I think the group was becoming too toxically sort of bloated and players weren't playing but in around uh, first team training all the time so yeah what do you make of the sort of the impressive nature by which, and the ruthless nature, I guess, in which... Yeah, I was going to say ruthless. Um, I mean, it's, it's necessary. You can't function and you can't compete for things with such a large squad like that because, I mean, there's there's so many impacts um, that affects, like, hypothetically, we're playing a game, it's, it's a cup game, and Arteta's like, cool, I want to bring on Balogun, but... I actually have to bring on Mustafi or or Kalasnach or Reese Nelson or Joe Willock because they're supposedly ahead of him. Mm. Um, I think it's. I mean, I obviously have no prior experience, but managing a such a big squad would be would be pretty tough. I would think, especially when it was. I mean, it seemed to get quite factioned in terms of different little factions in the dressing room. You had Ozil and and Mustafi and Kalasnach, and they were all none of them were replaying. All of them were looking to leave. There seems to be not great attitudes towards the club for whatever reason. Um, yeah, as you said, just creates quite toxic atmosphere, which I don't think benefited some young players, the likes of Gwenduzi as well. Um, I think definitely had a negative impact. I think if Arteta can trim the squad, he can form a real sense of direction of who he wants to be playing at what times and who he wants to start progressing and moulding for the future, such as Smith Rowe. Mm. Um I thought that was yeah absolutely necessary, and then the the loan moves for Willock and Maitland Niles again another very necessary piece of business. I think um, I would have liked them to go out on loan maybe last year even um, Willock more so than Maitland Niles. I think Maitland Niles actually proved useful last year, but he hasn't been getting game time, so why not send him on loan? I think also a little relegation battle will do wonders for an experience. Mm. He might get a little confidence shot if they're conceding goals every week, but. You know, playing under Big Sam in a relegation battle is definitely a useful piece of experience for a pro. And yeah. I've always liked Willock. I think I think if he can get if he can get some consistent game time and improve his game a little bit, he could be definitely an asset to the squad. Yeah, and I think I think you know we can separate the sort of outgoings into into different categories. The likes of Urzel, Mustafi, and Socrates. You know, sort of the reality of us paying them off to terminate their contracts early. I think it was it was you know, lit, quite literally paying for the mistakes of the past and, and the way that the squad's been managed and the recruitment, but it was a necessary step to take. And then the likes of, you know, Kalasinac find slightly different because his contract has a, a year or two left to run and so can necessarily sell him, but to get him off the books, I think is, is important with the view of probably selling him in the summer. In fact, definitely getting rid of him in the summer. Uh, then you've got, you know, the younger loans, Maitland-Niles and Willock, like you say, I think slightly plateauing you know, showing flashes of, of promise, but not being able to deliver at a consistent basis, like, you know, Bakayo Saka and Smith Rowe have shown bit to be able to do. So I think it's important for them to have experience elsewhere, either to, to improve their chances of contributing footballing-wise at Arsenal or raising their profile for... Yeah, yeah, their their so we don't need to keep hold of all of these young players. That's what they're for, to contribute a bit and then go like with the you know as we saw with Alex Awobi for example you know he contributed well and then we sold him for a, for a good deal um and then you know the other one um William Saliba as well I think was really important oh, cool. yeah I mean I completely forgot went out on loan because obviously the club massively messed up not loaning him out having decided that he wasn't really gonna figure this season at the end of last um you know summer's transfer window so I think again in terms of negative energy and and disruption I think for all those different reasons um, and different circumstances for each of the players, I think it's really important. I mean, just from a numbers point of view, that's, you know, that's about, that's eight players. If we can include Matt Macy there who are in and around the, um, the first team training picture, you know, that's, that's a significant churn of, of unsustainable with, with too many players. Yeah. And, and, and I think it's really important that Arteta can now work with a squad that is more his own, albeit not quite there yet, but he doesn't have these players who are so just not in his plans and a drain sort of the attitude and, and the environment within training and resources as well. Yeah. Yeah. Resources and, you know, the constant questions and when it doesn't go well, then it's like, well, why isn't this going well? Do you need to bring Ozil back in? And it's like, well, as we've seen, Ozil was not the answer, but as long as he's there, it will be a question. Um, yeah, exactly. 
Exactly. So I think it was really important to do that. I mean, maybe Reese Nelson could have gone out on loan, but I guess now that there's a bit more space in the squad, maybe we'll see him and maybe, I mean, um, Balogun on the bench a bit more, but I don't think either of them... Was Nelson on the bench yesterday? No, he wasn't. He wasn't on the bench. Neither of them on the bench. We've got Balogun has been pictured in first-team training for a while now, which, I mean, we we were kind of expecting him to go, but hopefully... Even without those players, um, get a couple games. Yeah, even without those players, we've still got plenty of options on the bench. You know, the likes of Martinelli, who we didn't even mention, Willian, who I actually thought was all right when he came on against Manchester United. Yeah. Whether we try and find a way to get rid of him in the summer, um, I mean, I think that was just a poor piece of business. I don't know whether that was Edu or Arteta trying to, who really pushed that one, but that I mean, that was the most evident thing not to do it was like how many times are we going to make this mistake from the past yeah. and i must say david louise's signing initially looked good then looked really poor and then i think he actually managed to show that he was he was a worthwhile addition to the squad um whether it be more morale based i i think with someone like william it's just it's really just throwing money down the drain when you do want to be starting players like martinelli over him for the not only current ability but potential ability and and potential ability in the squad yeah and I think the thing is with Willian I I am like all Arsenal fans at the moment sort of you know think it it is showing itself to be a really poor decision to to take him um, and give him a three-year deal you know upwards of 200,000 pounds a week and he hasn't shown nearly anything enough to justify that I don't think there's any shame in you know whether it's even if it's the wrong decision, I don't think that is necessarily the be on the end all. Like clubs will make mistakes. It's just how you deal with those mistakes. And look, if Arteta wanted Willian and, and Edu was definitely played a part in, in, in the Willian signing, they're not stupid. They'll know that this isn't working at the moment and there are other options. And, you know, the likes of, you know, if it's not worked and, and we're showing ourselves to be a ruthless squad who who sort of rely upon quality and and competitive sort of, um, competitive balance for places, then you know they'd look to shift Willian out in the summer. If, if Kiev Jarabchin can sort of give all his clients to, to Arsenal, then surely he can take some away as well. So yeah, yeah like we'll see. But you know, for the remainder of the season, as I said, there's loads of games, and and hopefully Willian can play some sort of part because well, that would be in in the best interest of the player, of us, of of everyone. Um, so we shall see. But is there anything else you wanted to add just in terms of squad, uh, transfer window, game yesterday? I mean, I, I just, I think we're, we're at a turning point now, have been for the past couple weeks, I'd say. And I think, I mean, I was saying a lot of people were being, they were going as far as to say Arteta out, won't mention any names, <clears throat> Lucas Krakatsis. Um, <laughs> someone needs to get called out on that. Um I mean, everyone was disappointed, but I, but we had that run of games of we had some easy fixtures. I personally was like, give, give Arteta and the team until that end of the run, which we're coming to now because we're starting to face have a very hard run. And look, I think we did. We had a successful period, and I think now is really indicative of whether when we face consistently better teams, so Villa, Leeds, who are always dangerous, um, City. If we can put in a good performance, I think that that solidifies the the positive direction that we're moving in. Yeah, I think it's really important just to wrap up that you know we remember sort of our thoughts during that tough period, and and a lot of people, rightly so, you, we couldn't really justify um, the idea that Arteta was not getting the most out of his squad, and therefore his position should be considered as as the best option moving forwards. But like you, I was always of the impression that we needed to give him more time. And I think we've we've seen the progress that's been made. And I remember saying at, at that point, I said, as much as I can understand those doubts about whether Arteta is the right manager to lead Arsenal forward for the rest of the season or long term, all I wanted to see for the rest of the season at that point was us to start playing better, win the games that we are expected to and show progress. And I think we we are doing that currently. And whether that takes us up the table, that would be great. But, you know, I, I do still think it's there is it the main concern? I think Arteta's shown that he can coach an attack, which a lot of people were saying he couldn't. It looks like the players are still very much behind him. Um, he's bringing the young players through. So I think we're in a good position, albeit in 10th, which is obviously not ideal. But 
you know, the margins are still so fine and people are so inconsistent and our consistency of performances has improved dramatically. So we just need to not go down to nine men next week, um, basically. (laughs) In any case, let's leave it there for today. That's been a, that's been a really good discussion, plenty to, to talk about and address in light of that Wolves game and ahead of the Villa game and just after the, the January transfer window. So it was a pleasure to have you on to the podcast, Jules. So thank you very much for your time. Appreciate it massively. Having me, mate. Excellent. Anytime, hopefully next time's after a victory. Well, yeah, we'll definitely, you'll definitely come back on at some point this, this year, definitely after a victory as well. But even if not, look, we've shown that we can have a good discussion and and take the positives out of a, out of a tough, uh, tough experience like yesterday. Quick reminder that you can find every episode of that sums it all up on my Mixcloud page. That's at www.mixcloud.com forward slash Alfie hyphen Steiner. You can also access all the shows via my Twitter at Alfie Steiner one. As always, thank you for listening. Enjoy the rest of your week. And until next time, bye.